Father, we love you tonight, and we're just so excited to be with you. We're excited about being with each other too, but we thank you that you're in this crowd with us. We're two or more gathered, you're right in the midst of us, so we welcome you and thank you that you've not left us alone, but that you love us and care about us, and each of us are special to you. And each of us, you want to reach our fullest potential, not only just daily living, but in prayer too, our fellowship with you, our communion with you. And I thank you for it. May, we, may you touch our hearts tonight. May each of us step up a little higher, stretch ourselves a little further, begin to fall in love with you again. May we receive correction if it comes, not that I'm believing it will, but it could. And what the Holy Ghost, what you want to say to people will be beyond what I say to them. And I thank you for that. Direct my thoughts, direct my words. Anoint us, Father, for this time as we learn a little better about prayer and pray together. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Good group tonight. Wow, thank you for coming. Thank you so much. I'm just going to have to preach this and see how this all comes out tonight. Don't let all the papers freak you out. I don't plan to, you know, preach you into oblivion or anything else. But uh, I do want to talk to you about prayer because, you know, really, I tell you the thing that God really wants. He wants your fellowship. You know what I really enjoy about some people? They love me. And they at least have convinced me to a degree they want to be with me. Just be around me. And I know that that's God's heart. He wants you to love him, not for what he could give you, but because you enjoy his presence. And you want a fellowship with him. You know, I'm just talking to you here. And there's a lot of people we know. All of us know people, a lot of people, da 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 da, da. But when you really know somebody and you just have a good time being with them, that's unique. And somebody that could be spiritual, you could speak to them the things that you know, and they could uh, respond to you accordingly. That's another part of the thing that we're talking about. I see you there, Miss Suzanne. We're going to take care of some things later. We're going, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to teach at least one part of this tonight, which is how to pray for our country in general. If I have time, I don't know if I will. I'm not going to push it tonight, but I'd like to talk to you about being filled with the Spirit, the importance of praying in tongues, because I would say unequivocable that none of us pray as much as we should in the Spirit. You know, I've been praying every day in my life since 1978. That's a way back. But I found that I can push myself into a different level if I'm, I will go after it. She's not going to make me pray. You're not going to make me pray. God's not even going to make me pray. He's not into making people do anything. He's in, and the Holy Spirit's not going to do the praying for me. Let's get this right for a second. The Holy Ghost is the helper. I don't pray to Him. I pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's the correct way to pray. Now, God may hear you when you're, you know, unscripturally intelligent, but He won't put up with that forever. He expects you to learn. This is the systems all laid out here. And, you know, okay, let's go to Luke 11. Let's get started tonight. And we'll see how all this comes out. I, and I may still, I'm going to pray for some people if you need healing tonight. It's not really a healing meeting per se, but it, we'll turn it into one at the end.
So I probably won't say a lot about healing in the general teaching because that's not the format. But since I can pray for people that are sick and most of them get healed, not all of them, but some do. So Luke chapter 1, uh, Luke chapter 11, I'm sorry, and verse 1. Let's look at that together. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now you realize I'm just hitting some highlights tonight. So, you know, it would take <laughs> how many years? 16 years, Donna, you and I, and, and Jim was in a lot of those, and Sean was in a several and of those years, and Dale and Arlene were in most of those, and even a few more people. I don't remember who all came every time. But for 16 years, we prayed an hour, we taught an hour, and then we prayed an hour. And very seldom did we violate that. See, here's something else I learned. We would pray for an hour, and somebody out of the group, when we had 40, somebody incredibly come up and say, well, I'm still burdened. I said, well, go, go take care of it in your car. We're not here to stay all night with you and pray. I gave time limits to that. So if you're still burdened, I'm not. But if you are, go pray it out. I, I'm not being a smart like this. You just need to learn. If you're just talking and saying words and you don't know what you're doing, you don't know where you're going, you're not getting nothing. God doesn't hear all that unbelief just because I'm desperate. He acts on the word alone. And then he gives us the spirit to give us the ability to pray in the spirit because the Holy Spirit, he knows what I need. He knows what everybody needs. And he will lead us if we'll trust him. Okay. But you're going to have to spend some personal time. I was reading Brother Hagin's book, Tongues, Beyond the Upper Room, this last week or two. It's a great book to go back and reread it. And uh, he was saying people want him to teach how to be led of the Spirit. He said, well, I could teach you the basics, but the truth of it is you're going to have to pray enough with your Father and let the Holy Ghost teach you how to hear from heaven clearly. Are you listening to me? E even our intercessory meeting, we had 16 years. I said, we're not going to pray for your uncle if you, if you come. You pray for your uncle. We're, we've got an agenda. When I met, I had an agenda as the head of this ministry. And we prayed about the things that God either told me before I got there or when I got there. Or he would speak to Dale or Donna. I'd say, you got something? Come lead this part of it. And we would just follow the Holy Ghost. See, we make a mistake sometimes and say, we're going to have a prayer meeting. What do you mean by that? Right. Well, I'm going to have a prayer meeting. Okay, but how do you do that? Right. So you need to be in agreement. And so, you know, and if you don't speak in tongues, I'm not embarrassing you. We will either pray for you tonight or maybe I'm having another Sunday night next month. Pastor asked me, so let's see. Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying, this is Jesus, in a certain place. That's kind of interesting, too. He had a certain place he went to pray. When he ceased, one of the, his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, the point I'm bringing out here is a couple of things. They were asking the master to teach them how to pray. What I'm saying to you is that would be uh, would mean that somebody could help me learn how to pray better. And then when you roll in the Holy Ghost, who is the teacher of the whole church, and you personally, and that's the thing I'm getting to, then, uh, you know, he could teach us how to be better at prayer. Sometimes my prayers have been, one time I was in such pain for 14 years. I won't go into all that, but I was just in such pain. I was driving home one night and, uh, I was traveling full-time during that time before I started this church. Uh, 
And I was getting off the exit in Sellersburg right by Cracker Barrel. I'll never forget. I said, God, <laughs> you know, I really need some help. Would you just lay me on some intercessors' hearts? And everywhere I went, I traveled in those days. That was uh, 82 to 85. I was traveling almost every week somewhere. Uh, the next month when I traveled, the next six weeks I traveled, every place I went to, somebody in that church would say, hey, Doc Jacobs, I picked you up two weeks ago on a Friday night at 5.30. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. You picked me up. And I just asked God to speak to them so they could help me because I was doing all I knew to do and it wasn't affecting it fully. Of course, I had that pain for 14 years. I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but it's gone now. So here, let me make another comment about them asking Jesus to teach them to pray. Some things are taught and a lot of things are caught. Now, this is why we have maybe some corporate prayer meetings. We don't have them like we used to. Back in the beginning when I started this church in 85, we, I had three or four prayer meetings myself every week. I prayed with the men at a certain time each week that wanted to come. We'd maybe have coffee and donuts, but we would pray. We wouldn't just shoot the bowl, so to speak. And then I had a prayer meeting for the leaders. And they had different kind of prayer meetings, sometimes with men and women present. Because we were a baby church and we were just getting off the ground. The devil was trying to abort us. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Because I was laying on the birthing table. So anyway, so... Well, do you have somebody that knows God a little better than you or maybe doesn't know God better than you, but he knows God better than you in prayer or she, they can help you. And you can catch things if you're in a corporate setting where you're with somebody that really knows how to pray. So some things are taught to you. You can take the scriptures and teach it. That don't mean you have it yet. This means you've got some knowledge of what you can think about constructively to put in there. But then you can catch things from certain people that are more experienced in prayer. Hallelujah. All right, so now we, let me show you something else here about uh, the fact I'm making a comment. Mark chapter three, Mark chapter three, I, I was thinking about this, I think it was this morning even. Mark chapter three, verse 14 and 15, I'm talking about they said, Lord, teach us to pray. But you have to be with Jesus to be taught to pray. He did give us a basic prayer outline, you know. Of course, that's Old Testament because Jesus lived in the Old Testament. But he did give us, how will be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, that song people sing. and It's a good song. But let's make sure that we're over in the new covenant in the letters. But let's look here at this on the, uh, Mark 3, 14 and 15. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. So I see this as a time where they were with Jesus and he was imparting to the 12 and said that they should be with him. Not just geographically with him, but with him. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, you know, all of us were slow to believe at first. These guys were too. But they were with the master. And after they got spirit filled, you'll see an inkling here or an inkling there where they said, that's what he meant when he was in Jerusalem and said that to us that day. They began to pick it up. They didn't comprehend it at first. That's my point. You have to be with him. You need to be with him in prayer. 
Now, I do endorse reading your Bible. But just reading the Bible alone will never get it completely done. We have to be people of prayer, and I'd like to go a step further for you. You have to be people of prayer for this generation. This is a different planet than I was born on. It's still called Earth, but man, things have changed. Abruptly, decidedly, crazily. Yeah. Anyway, and you know, but we still know how to pray. We've learned as we went on to know the Lord. But that gave them power. I'm showing you this for re that He might send them forth to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. This is an example of what they were with Him and they were watching Him and learning from Him. Let's go to Luke chapter eight. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm I'm trying to say something. Probably all, everybody, you feel like you know everything I'm going to say. Maybe I don't know. I hope you do. But we're just learning some things fresh and new and going back over old things and seeing some of those things in a different light. I'd say a lot of believers rob themselves because they think they've already got it figured out. They're not open to any fresh revelation. They got themselves boxed in. You're not going to tell me that, are you? Well, I might tell you that if that's the truth. Maybe we were just, a, I know I'm at a different level than I was 20 years ago, even five or 10 years ago. All right, Luke chapter 8, verse 1, 2. It came to pass afterwards that he, that is Jesus, went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12, look at this, the 12 were with him. So they're watching him preach, they're hearing him preach, they're watching him minister. And certain women, verse 2, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, some of them had devils in them that needed cast out. Some of them were just uh, infirm or weak in an area, maybe through a devil, but maybe through just a poor taking care of your life. Yeah. And Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons. And if that wasn't enough, we put verse 3 with it. He taught them how to minister to people and be effective. And then he found out many of these people ministered unto Jesus out of their substance. The Greek word there is resources. So he was receiving offerings too. Or they brought him something out of the you know, attitude of thanksgiving for getting healed and delivered. So I'm using those two as examples. You with me? Okay, let's go back to Ezekiel 22 here. Hallelujah. Now I'm not going to preach us into the ground, but I do want to talk to you a little further. I'm just getting started here. Uh, let me see here, where am I at? Ezekiel 22, verse 30 and 31. And I sought for a man, or let me say it to you, I sought for a human or the race of man, male or female. This is God speaking. I sought for a person among them that they should make up the hedge. Or in other words, that's like a barrier, a fence. And it says that they may uh, make up the hedge. There's a hole blown in it and somebody needs to stand in that gap. And he uses that word in the next part. And stand in the gap before me for the land. Now, you know, you can get a lot of things for yourself, but when it comes to intercession, we're praying for other people. And we're going to pray in a little bit for our government. Some of those people I don't even know. Most of them I don't. But he says, I'm, stand, I, I'm, I'm looking for somebody that could stand in the gap here and deal with this. You know, there was a guy in the Old Testament, I forget the reference, but I think it's in Samuel. 
I think it was one of David's mighty men. Man, he had some mighty men. And he stood in the middle of a bean field and defended it against a whole bunch of people and he wiped out every one of them. When he was through fighting, his hand was so welded to the sword they had to help him get his hand off of it. He fought so hard and valiantly. To, not just for the beans, for his territory. Mm -hmm. Listen, I tell you what we really need. We don't need pickets. We need people who know how to pray. I would say it this way to you. I think if you, most of you can understand this. I think you can. The preachers in the churches are the spiritual policemen in this planet. What I bind is bound, and what I loose is loosed, and you too, if you believe it. Now, if you just say in words and you don't believe it, it's not coming to pass. And that's on your side. You've got to stay with it and everything to get it to come to pass. I had something here I wanted to read you about that. So we're looking, remember Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. I was looking for somebody to make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. How sad, looking for an intercessor and found none. You know, when we started prayer in this church, when not in the very beginning, but shortly thereafter, we had, when we got up to this building here, which was several years after we started, at least um, 85 to 93, that would have been eight years, I asked for people to come pray with me. At that time, we had 310 people in this church. Seven people prayed with me for seven years. When I had a picnic, I had 450 people eating my pizza and chips. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a stingy person. I'll give you a chip and a sandwich if you need it. But this shows you the mentality of the people in this kind of church, being a word and spirit church. I said, all I'm asking you to do is come and give me two hours when you come. If you can't give me two hours, don't come. If you're coming for 30 minutes, don't come. You'll just interrupt the rest of us. Because I have to teach you. Because I was learning new things as an intercessor. And I knew sometimes it takes more than just me to pray it. And if I don't get to it this Sunday, this is Sunday night. Next month, come back. It's in February. I don't remember the date. But we'll talk about how to pray for Pastor Jordan. You know, he could be more successful if you learn how to pray for him more successfully. But we need, listen, what reason I'm talking about our country first of all, because the Bible says that should be done first. Doesn't mean you like somebody in the government. You just need to walk in love. You get out. I'm telling you, if you're going to live in strife, you're going to die. In this day and age, you can't live in strife and live in this. I don't mean this country. I mean in this earth. It is such a caustic atmosphere. When you get in strife and hatred and bitterness, when you feel like you want to smash somebody's head in, you're in big trouble. Even if you don't do it by thinking like that, you're destroying your faith, you're destroying your confession, you're destroying your authority. So whatever you say is not coming to pass for you. So I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just trying to help you. Either be a help to America, or I won't say leave, but I would just say you need to be a help, not a drag on us. Yes, sir. All right. And he says, therefore I poured out my indignation upon them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have a recompense. Now, this is Old Testament, but there are certain repercussions that you get into 
if you won't do what God told you. Here's a couple of things I'd like to say to you. It's the word abiding in us that causes faith to be present in our words. You know, if you have the word abiding in your heart and it gets in your mouth, then when you speak, there's creative power. It's called faith that moves things and changes things, brings things to you, separates things away from you. Faith, faith will make prayer work, but prayer won't work without faith. You could take several people. Some people know their Bible real well, and they get up and say something, but there's no bite on it. You know what I mean by bite? There's no anointing on it. And some of us feel that lack of the bite, you might say. Are you still here with me? Yeah. There's a lot of good people in the earth. There's a lot of good musicians and singers, but some of them have no bite for me. They don't relate to their music, even if they're not custom. They're just a bunch of gibberish. I don't need my emotions stroked. I need my spirit fed. <laughs> okay. And I do like music. I'm not against musicians or music or anything. I'm not criticizing, but I'm just saying what I'm saying because I know I'm right. But it ought to be evident who the popular ones are. And for the most part, they're not in our camp. Said most popular. I didn't say they're the best musicians or singers. Okay. Always remain in agreement with his word. You can speak God's words after him, after he has said it, and they, God's words, will work for you. Then I wrote down, they must become a part of you, God's words, and they must abide in you continually. How could I do that, Pastor? You could say it again and again and again and again, and you can stop and think about it. Meditate. It's called meditation. Yeah, but when I try to do that, I, I'm, my mind goes everywhere. Well, it's evident you're not controlling it very well. You're going to have to take authority over your mind. You're going to have to take authority over those thoughts. Every real man or woman of God, I don't care how popular they've been or how real they've been and how strong they've been, and how they're all that and two bags of chips, they've had to do that or they wouldn't be where they're at. And the devil is always after your attention. He wants your attention. Well, I'm not doing nasty things. Well, I don't know if you are or not. I don't know what you do with your head, your mind, your brain. But if he gets you entertaining things, you get greedy. And like Jordan just said, it's not about the money. It's about your heart. Okay, I'm, I'm preaching pretty good here. This is not bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me. Prayer is your legal right to use faith-filled words to bring God on the scene in your behalf or for another that your joy may be full. In other words, you have a legal right to pray for people, but you're going to have to use faith-filled words to bring God on the scene for that other person. I have some examples. I don't know if I'm going to use them share them right now, but... All right, you're still here, right? All right, let's, let's go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, this is our starting point tonight in thinking about how do I get into prayer? Well, Brother Hagin said it this way, and I, I don't know the fullness of what he meant. I think I understand what he was saying. He said, I never ask God for anything when I just get with him. I get in the spirit first, and then when I'm tuned up, I'm putting that word in there, tuned up, in the spirit, then I ask him or talk to him. 
Aren't you thrilled when people come to you because they love you and want some information, but they don't want anything from you? Really, they just like being around you, and they're going to... See, so what I'm saying is God wanting that kind of fellowship. And Brother Hagin said that, and he was on the Raymond campus. These are all full-time uh, students going into ministry, or at least they think they are. Uh, and the guy was following him across the yard and said, well, I want to know why my uncle died. He said, well, I didn't know your uncle. What did your uncle want? Well, he said thus and such. He said, well, that's your answer right there, son. You can't change him. You don't have a right to change somebody's heart or will. He said he was going to die. And then one other guy came to him and said, will you pray about such and such? He said, when I get in the presence of God, I'll bring it up. Listen to me. You need to listen to me. You're not going to do everything just because you're a word person and you're a faith person. I'm not disillusioning you. You can do everything for yourself and be victorious, but you're going to have to get hear from God clearly on some of these issues I'm talking about or you never make it. See, Brother Hagin was just way out there. He was just a normal Christian, but he just fed his spirit and fed his spirit. And, fed. and I heard his son say, I heard him personally say, my dad would be up when I went to bed as a little boy at 9 o'clock, and he set a little desk in the corner in this little, you know, two-bedroom or one-bedroom apartment or house. And I slept in the living room on the couch, uh, Kenneth Hagin Jr., and said I, the alarm would go off at 7 in the morning, go to school or get up and study, and my dad would still be sitting at the same chair with the same light on and the same books open. He studied all night long. He said he did it all the time. I listened to Brother Hagin about that later. He said, I took a nap during the day if I was tired. But that, see, see, it's how bad you want it. How bad do you want to know God on that level? Where you ask him, and if he wants to, listen, I've asked God about everybody I've buried that I knew. Now, a lot of people I didn't know, they were just church attenders. But people that I really knew, and they went home early, I'd ask God. And in the cases, he told me everything about several, but some of them he left out. And one time he said, that's none of your business. I said, I can take that. Thank you. That doesn't mean I'm going to quit asking you. He said, that's fine. If, if you need to know, I'll let you know. I said, thanks. So, but what I'm saying is this is where we start. This is Old Testament, I know, but there's plenty of New Testament things. said they worship God and they praise God. It wasn't always just, uh, you know, as somebody said, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want my four no more. In other words, husband, wife, two kids. No, we've got to get broader than that. We've got to get thicker and smarter and larger. But how do you come to God? This is it in Psalm 100. You with me? I'm going to read it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Right there, that would indicate if I'm a griper and a complainer and a murmurer, then I'm not able to come before his presence with singing. But this is how we should come. We just sang a few songs and that helped us. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he, verse 3, that has made us and not we ourselves. Thank God. We are his people. Oh, thank you, Father. We're your people. And the sheep of your pasture. Of course, we have a literal, uh, you know, shepherd here, an under-shepherd to Jesus in Jordan. And you have me as a prophet, but, you know, my role's a little different in your life. But nonetheless, we are his sheep. We hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger I will not follow. That's in John 10. You ought to memorize some of those scriptures. John 10, verse 3 and 4. John 10, verse 27 through 30. And start saying that, that I hear, I hear the Lord speak to me. And the voice of a stranger I won't follow. But if you've been following him, it might be enticing you to do something he's telling you, the, the devil, 
But you've got to deal with it. No, I cast that down. I don't think like that. Get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Jesus' name, Satan, I bind you. And you have to stay with it. How long? Your whole life. How about that? Yeah, I'm just talking. I'm a long-termer. And many of you are. Many of you have been with me. How many have been with me 30 years or better? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 16, you've been with me almost 40, haven't you? Off and on, Willie. Yeah. Yeah. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So one of the first things I should do when I come to pray is not, oh, God, I ask you to do this for me. Now, if sometimes you're in an emergency. If somebody calls me and they say, I'm, on the, I'm taking my husband to the hospital. He's just had a heart attack. Well, then I just drop everything and pray. Yeah. And used to, I drop everything and pray and then meet him there. But they don't let you in the hospital now. At least I was told a while back. I don't care who you are. At least that's what I was told because of COVID. But what I'm saying is normal pr protocol would be come before God and say, Father, I just thank you for making me your child. I thank you you hear me when I pray. I thank you, Father, you're right here with me. And I thank you for your energy. And I thank you for being a God who hears and answers prayer. And I thank you for your fellowship. I thank you for your protection today. And I thank you for my family. Thank you for my children and my grandchildren. I thank you that I, my brain functions right. I thank you that, see, I'm thanking him. I'm thanking you. You've kept me all these years. And you get my age, sometimes you look back and say, well, I buried him 20 years ago and her 15 years ago and her 12 years ago. I don't think about it that, that rigid, but I'm just making an example. But we're still here. And not throwing stones at the ones that are already gone. But you know when they're gone, they're not my responsibility anymore. How many know what I'm saying? <laughs> not that I minded being responsible for people. I wouldn't have gotten in this profession if I was. I've told my staff ever since they've known me, if you don't love people, get out of my, just resign because you're not welcome here. You, you know, the staff. You've got to love people. Hallelujah. And everybody's on a different level. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Sometimes I've seen this in some people. They're always complaining about what they don't have, but I never hear them thanking God for what he's already done. <laughs> for the Lord is good. Well, that's a good one to remember. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. You, you could just turn over there every day if you like this psalm or whatever, and it mentions uh, joyfulness, gladness, singing, uh, thanksgiving, being thankful, praise, and all of those things. His truth endureth. All, your truth endureth in my generation, Father. All right. So this would be how we enter in. And I think it's wonderful if we have extra time. Or take some extra time just to praise and thank him. Now, I'm not teaching on this tonight, but I want to mention this one thing. In the New Covenant, 1 Corinthians 14, it says we can pray in the Spirit or, or pray in understanding. That's our normal dialect. Or we could sing in the, our understanding and sing in the Spirit. See, you could do all those things. And then it says, I shouldn't give thanks when people are not Spirit-filled at the same table with me. Not that that was evil. I gave thanks really good. But the other person's not edified. And the people that are carnal, natural-minded people, I don't care what kind of church they go to, if they're carnal and natural-minded people, they're offended about that. 
So I'm just saying, see, when I'm by myself, though, I could sing in tongues, I could praise God in tongues, and you ought to do that and experience that more and more. I appreciate Amzie leading us several times in the last year. I'm not here all the time. But from the front, just take off worshiping God in the middle of a praise service. It was wonderful. And start singing in tongues. That's your key to jump in there with him. Maybe you don't think you sound that great in tongues. I don't think I sound that great in tongues or English either. But, but I get in there and praise God when they do that. All right. So, okay, let's talk for a little bit now. I thought I was going to get further than this, and I've got a lot more to say. So go to Second Chronicles 7 and 14. Second Chronicles 7. I'm still in First Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Mm-hmm. 7, 14. We, most of us have heard this all of our life, but if my people, that's the believers, according to the new covenant. They were in covenant with God then, but it's a lesser covenant than we have, but they're still talking about covenant people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. You know, prayer is humbling because you, you're, you're saying to God, I'm dependent on you. <laughs> I can't take care of myself fully without you. You, find, you see what I'm saying? This is why... This is why uh, Marxism, socialism, and communism doesn't work. See, that says you're going to take care of me. Well, I don't know about that. In carnal world, I'm not saying you personally because you love God and love me, but see, it's humbling to pray because you're saying, Father, I need you. That's what I tell him that every day. I need you today. I need your love. I need your affection. And I love you, and I give you my affection today. And I'm believing to get new revelation when I read these things. So he says, if my people that are called by my name shall, and they will be Christian in the new covenant. They were first called Christians at Antioch, which means little anointed ones. So that's what we are, little anointed ones. Said, would they to humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now this kind of indicated you're seeking his fellowship for fellowship purposes. You're not seeking his hand for getting what he could provide for us. You, that's legitimate to do that. You know, he knows what we need before we have it, but he said it'd be appreciated if you'd just ask, like an intelligent person, <laughs> Lord, I need this. Right. You know. And, but I'm not doing that. And this, it says, I'm seeking his face for fellowship and turn from your wicked ways. If there's any wickedness in it, I'm just saying tonight, I'm not accusing anybody, but if there's anything in your life not right, I'd sure get rid of it. If I regard iniquity in my heart or sin, the Lord will not hear me. If he doesn't hear me, 1 John 5, 14, 15, I don't have the petitions I ask him. I ask it, but I'm a blank because I'm not living right. I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to tell you what we can do to get, get accomplished in this and other things we have to pay attention. Then I'll hear from heaven and we'll forgive their sin and we'll hear, heal their land. But we need some healing in this land, don't we? All right, let's go now, because this has given us, the, this is a format kind of, we humble ourselves for God and say, God, we need you in our country. And we're asking you to invade us with your presence and power in the name of Jesus. Are you listening? 
See, one of the things the devil's after, not humans, is to make me shut my Bible and shut my mouth. They're never going to get that from me. There's a whole lot of people in the earth today like me. <laughs> so, but I'm going to pray for God to heal my land. And I'm going to say this as sweet as I can. I don't care who's in office. Because you could, you could say you're a Christian to get voted in. You could say anything you want. You, people say whatever they want to say, but it may be a lie. You know, you don't, as you say that, then there have to be some works that accompany that comment. But this is going to heal our land. That's what we need God to heal our land. Now let's go, let's go over here a minute to Timothy. We're finally getting over here. Man, I thought we would have been here before then, but I hope you're getting something here. First uh, Timothy chapter 2. Let's look at a few more scriptures here and then we're going to pray in just, just a second here. First uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all. So like I said, remember he's telling that we ought to do this first. Supplications, which is petitions, asking God for something. Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority. It doesn't list presidents, but that would be the class they would be in, a prime minister or a president. What They may have a different title in different countries, but it's the same person kind of in their authority. For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I mean, that's what I'm after. A uh, quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Are you listening to me? We're talking about praying for our government. I remember, I don't know why this stands out to me when President Clinton was in office. I don't know why it seemed like I prayed for him more than any of them. And uh, I would pray things like this. Donna may remember, Dale may remember. We'd get in a prayer meeting and say, Father... Let the housekeeper introduce him to Jesus at the White House. Let the person that picks up the trash in the White House or runs the sweeper somehow come into interaction with him and Hillary and witness to them and get their life turned around. Are you listening to me? You have chapter and verse for that? I'm glad you asked me. I do. And, and, and before we go to that thing, it says, who will have all men to be saved. So we should be praying that God's hand would be on these leaders. Even if they don't completely turn, God's anointing would be on them to change them to help the church and help humanity. Okay, so let's go back here and then I'll come back. To, you could write down Matthew. Uh, let me find the reference here. I'm going to go to another place where I read that though. Matthew 9, I'll come right back to it, but go back to Isaiah 45 with me a minute. And I found this scripture, been a long time ago, and I, I really got blessed out of it. Isaiah 45, is that what I said? I think I'm right there. I'll find it here in just a second. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 45, and uh, I found this one day, and it just changed everything I thought about uh, human beings and how they might be anointed to help me. <laughs> so listen. Verse 1, Isaiah 45, 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. 
Now, I'm going to read on down here, and if anything but anointing, it don't look like it, because you're going to tell about him. But he was calling, God was calling him an anointed one for his sake, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him, and two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. In other words, I'm going to open up things for this, the anointed Cyrus, <laughs> who I'm going to show you is a heathen, but... I'm going to open up things for you to be rich and things for you to have influence and power and authority. And then it goes on and and he says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. That sounds pretty good. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I'll give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, now watch this, for Jacob... That's Israel. My servant's sake and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. God said, you don't even know me, but I'm calling you anointed. Well, if God calls you anointed, there's anointing on you to do what I've just read you. And he don't even know God. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord, verse 5, and there is none else. There is no God besides me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. So this is what I say. You know, when I'm praying for people, God, I pray for favor in this city. I pray for favor wherever I travel. I pray for favor. Yeah, I mean, I've had some of the oddest little things happen in airports one time. I fly with American most of the time, but I, and I had an American thing, but I was having to fly Delta that day, and I asked the guy to behind the desk, you know, hey, you got any first-class tickets available? I'll pay you the difference. I had a cheap fare, what do you call that, coach? He said, I don't know. Let me look into it, doctor. I said, okay, I got time to go to the restroom. Yeah, I went down the hall to the restroom, came back. He was calling my name. I went over and said, here's your tickets. I said, what do I owe you? He said, nothing. I said, nothing? No, it's on us. Really? God bless you, sir. <laughs> so he put me in first class, and it was a real interesting day for me. I flew from there to, from wherever to Denver. And a lady sat down by me. She's dressed like a stewardess. She is a stewardess, but not on that plane. She's going home. She starts talking to me, and I can tell this lady's life is a mess from what she told me. She's uh, divorced, got two children. One of them is mentally problemed, and one of them is physically problemed. And, uh, and then she just turned to me, and she burst into tears and said, you know, I've been lying to you the whole time we've sat here. And I said, well, I'm a preacher. I forgive you. Can I help you? Well, I'd like to really talk to you about my life. I lied about it all. I'm not married. I do have two children. They've got problems. I said, well, if you don't, if you feel comfortable doing this, if you don't understand, I didn't have a card on me to give her, but if you give me your name and address when I get back to my church, I'll have my secretary. At that time, Arlene was one of those. And I'll have her, I'll have her send you some material that will help you with your kids. And I prayed with the lady on the plane. How, who would have thought? And something had happened drastically to her that day. That's why she was going back home. She had to stop working. I don't remember what the problem was. But see, God's put me in the perfect seat right next to this person. I didn't pick it out. I don't know if she picked it out, but there we were and talking, and she got ministered to. And I sent her whatever I told her I'd send her. See? Interesting, somebody talked to you for 30 minutes and burst out in tears and said, you know, I've been lying to you. I said, I'm not sure why, but uh, I'm, I'm sorry you did that. But You tell me what's going on. I'll see if I can help. And she did. 
All right, so sometimes there's people that get anointed by God. This is what I'm saying. Listen carefully. I'm in a better covenant than Israel at this time. They're in a lesser covenant. God would anoint him to help his people under a lesser covenant. How much do you think God would do for us? We're sons and daughters. We're sons and daughters. In fact, we're joint heirs with Jesus. Wow. Anyway, okay, let's go over here to Matthew 9. I was going to prove to you that praying over things like that that sound remotely wild. You know, one of the secret service people could get a hold of somebody in high levels. Or somebody that works at the Pentagon could, Pentagon could get a hold of people, uh, you know, that are high up in government, generals and things like that that control the whole deal and witness to them and minister to them and help them. But somebody's got to pray for that to happen. Normally it's not just coming, but we have to pray for it. All right, here in Matthew 9, look at this with me, verse 37 and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that would be Jesus, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So this is what I pray when I'm praying for somebody. I may pick up somebody praying. One time I was praying, I had a vision. I saw a little Japanese guy sitting by a pond fishing. Had a little, just a little <laughs> stick rod thing. And I saw you saw his bobber out there. He had one of those round hats on. And God said, pray for him. He needs, he needs me. So I prayed for him. I, I sent people. I said, Father, send the right people to him that he'll listen to. You know, there's people anointed to talk to somebody that you may not be anointed to. Yeah. And somehow you just know it's God when you're talking and they get all kinds of help from you. If we're sensitive, see, we can do that. Are you still here? All right. Uh, let's see here. I'm going, to, I'm going to say something else just a minute. Let's, let's go over here because of what's going on here in James 3 a minute. I hope this isn't a big scatter load for you. I just uh, felt like I need to talk more about the government at this point. Hallelujah. And why are we praying for the government? Because we love them. I don't care if everybody came out tomorrow and all the department heads for every secretary of Duda and secretary of DD and secretary of, you know, whatever. And they all were praying in tongues on TV. I say, praise God. Get them, Father. What if somebody came in the Oval Room? That's where president's at, right? <laughs> and, and somebody just said, praise God, and they all fell out on the floor. And they woke up in, in 10 or 15 minutes, and 8 out of 10 of them had been to heaven and had a vision, and they all got saved. Now we got 8 against 2. See, you don't know, to think like that a little bit. We're not without help, and we're not without hope. I know that's normally not going to happen unless somebody's praying. I know that. I think it was um, John Wesley said, it seems that God does nothing unless man asks him to do it. Right. You know, James 4 kind of alludes to that. You have not because you ask not. And then you ask amiss. So you're asking, but you're not quite level yet. Maybe your asking's a little out of level. But he says to ask him. Even in Matthew 6, where, you know, where he says, you know, even though I know the things you need, you need to ask me. Yes. Out of politeness, I said, Father, thank you. I need dust and such. All right, I'm in James 3 now. I wanted to read this to you, and i got maybe one scripture or maybe two left, and then we're going to pray. Uh, 
James 3, verse 14, starting there. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. And you know, you don't have to be a politician to be in this realm, but there sure is a lot of animosity and strife. And I saw, heard the, the um, what do you call them, reporters tearing down the suit and clothing that certain people wore at the inauguration. I'm thinking, these people, they just want to argue with you about everything. She wasn't naked. She didn't have as much, she had a lot more on than some of the girls I saw at the inauguration. Let's just get real. But they were just blasting her. Her music didn't impress me either. But the point I'm making is, those reporters are ornery. Bitter envying and strife in your hearts. And I saw they already started on our new president. And he said, what's wrong with you? Don't ask me that kind of question. They'll probably keep asking him. But anyway, I saw that. I heard it. I viewed it on video. Bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom that acts this way descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Okay. So, you know, that's a pretty serious thing where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. And I, I don't want to, I, I mean, I do all I can to keep that door shut. It don't matter if I have to eat my pride or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I just say, Father, forgive me. I'm not going to fight over that. I'm not going to fight over that. I'm going to be forgiving to everybody. See, and I, I talk to myself if I need to. Because I don't want to open that envy door, or excuse me, this strife door there, where there's all kinds of evil stuff open, and I can't shut the door unless I repent. You know, and it just seems like to me, you know, we, we know Americans are divided right now just through whatever's happened people's attitude, that we need to pray that Father would help us not to be in strife. You, you talk about something, and I'm using this word from the Bible, damnable. Damnable heresies. When the church is out to bless all of humanity. And sometimes we get, you know, a little problem with people, people about stuff. But just, we're not going to be in strife. Are you still here? Okay, let's go back to Isaiah 64. It'll be my last scripture tonight. Isaiah 64, verse 7. This is a great scripture, and it, it gives us much insight into how we need to behave and act. Isaiah 64, verse 7. There is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. So now that's not true of us because we are those that lay hold on him. Lay hold on God. And, but what I'm trying to show you is it says you have to stir up yourself. I heard Gloria Copeland say this one time I never forgot. What you give yourself to, that's what you'll desire. I, I'm not against recreation. I just think people are full of it full of recreation, way beyond their limit. You see what I'm saying? When you want to get recreated, then you just do, st do stuff all the time. You just stay so busy. 
But you're going to have to learn if you're going to be a person of prayer, you're going to have to be focused. You have to, not that you can't have fun, not that you can't do whatever, go on a vacation, go to a movie if you find one decent enough. But we can't just live our lives frivolously and do anything I've said tonight. I got to be right. Not, not, not on an ego trip, but I need to make sure my life is lined up with this book as best I can. And occasionally I'll say, Father, do you need to talk to me about anything that you want corrected or something I'm not quite thinking about right? A few times the Lord said, I don't want you to say anything publicly about it. You got it? I got it. So I don't say anything about it. I got an opinion, but I'm not going to share it because he didn't. He said, "Don't say it publicly." Anyway, just talking. So, but what we should do is stir ourselves up to lay hold on God. There's a realm in God you can get into through prayer and fellowship with Him. Man, you're just so one with Him. You're one spirit with Him already. But how much more would we be one spirit when we start doing the things He's asking us to do? And first of all, to pray for our leaders in our government. You know, Brother Hagen. Kenneth E. Hagin, the one that, the older Hagin that's in heaven now, he wrote that book, The Authority of the Believer, and he got it into Russia and Estonia and places like that. And the believers over there had never heard about that from what I know. Uh, and they started reading that and they started taking authority over the governments that were communistic. <laughs> you remember Reagan said, tear down that wall? Well, they tore it down. I'm not giving Reagan the credit. I'm just giving the people that prayed over in that country for praying, <laughs> you know, either change our leadership or, or help us, Lord, right. when they were greatly oppressed. And I don't know everything about history. I just know what I've heard from preachers over the years. Mm-hmm. I was personally in St. Petersburg when the pastor of that church said, Dr. Summerall pulled into our port, our port with his ship full of food so that us pastors could feed our congregations when we were starving to death over here. Mm-hmm. You know, huh? And it caused revival. I went to Siberia. That pastor had Dr. Summer on his church. I went to St. Petersburg. That's another town. That's a whole another level in Russia, up north, compared to Siberia. And they all knew him, and they all appreciated what he did. He did something. Brother Hagin got his written material to him. And they began to take authority over things. You still with me? Boy, I sure didn't get much. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> 